Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Okay, I'm confused, and I <laughs> I know that may not come as a surprise for Chewing the Fat listeners, but the other day we talked about Hertz ordering 100,000 Teslas for their fleet, right, for their rental fleet. Then we get the announcement from Uber that it will have access to up to 50,000 of those for drivers to rent by 2023. Okay, so it's a rental Uber Tesla program that apparently is going to be available in Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, and Washington, D.C. Okay. So I just wondered if you're an Uber driver, can you not rent from rental car companies anymore? Uh, I don't know. I, do you have to specifically, I realize that you'd have to specifically say, Hey, I'm coming to pick you up and I'm going to be in my Tesla. It's blue, but you couldn't do that already. And the company said that the Tesla rentals will start out at $334 a week, but they're going to drop it down to $299 over time. Oh, that's nice. And if you don't have at least a 4.7 star rating and a minimum of 150 trips, you can't get it. I, I, I thought you could rent a car from a rent-a-car company if you wanted to. I didn't realize that you had to have a 4.7 star rating. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I I, I don't know what the deal is with the Uber drivers. I've never been an Uber driver. And I, you know, I I don't have any uh, intention of becoming an Uber driver, although it's possible that could happen in the future. But if you're, I just want to, I'm confused at why you couldn't rent one before. And that's where I'm confused. So, hey, welcome to Chewing the Fat. I ever tell you that I was uh, on the uh, John Wick stunt crew team? Yeah, yeah, I was. I know I I might not have mentioned it, but I was. Yeah, Keanu Reeves and uh, the John Wick 4 stunt team. I was... I was part of it. Now, apparently, Keanu forgot about that because I didn't get the gift he gave the other stuntmen. So, Keanu gave each stuntman that was on John Wick 4 a personalized gift following the filming. And, wow, I mean, what a huge uh, series that has been for him and, you know, the movie industry and all these guys that work on the movies, right? So, he gave all of them a uh a watch it was just a little rolex watch with an engraving on the back the engraving was the john wick five and your name thank you keanu jw4 2021 and john uh i was there i don't know i you know me i was there i was on the movie i'm waiting for my watch to be delivered i know you had invited everyone out to dinner and gave them a present but i mean i must have missed the invitation so i mean that's pretty sweet right i mean we hear stories so many times about how awful hollywood 
actors are, uh, not mentioning any names, Alec Baldwin. And uh, I just, you know, find it fascinating that uh, it was really nice of Keanu to do that for the stuntman. I don't know if he gave gifts to other people on the film or not, but I mean, they're a big part of the John Wick series. (laughs) I ever saw those. Um, I know, I, I love what they call the movie, the action movie. They're called, well, at least the Lionsgate television chairman, Kevin Beggs, calls the John Wick series its gun-fu approach. I love that. It's awesome. John Wick, gun, gun-fu. gun <laughs> So Keanu, you know, look, if you, you know, if you forgot, if it was an honest mistake, I get it. So, you know, just email me chewing the fat at the blaze.com. Let me know where I can, you know, pick up my Rolex with the engraving on the back. And you know what I forgot to tell you too, is I also work for Spanx. I know you'd think Jeff, you were working for Spanx. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other day, and I don't know if we mentioned it, uh, on the show or not, but you know, the, uh, owner, uh, head lady CEO Sarah Blakely, who is awesome and has an awesome story about how she created Spanx and how she went out into the world to sell her product and what a struggle it was in the beginning and how she went to the stores herself and would show off Spanx. And it was just, it's just her, her story is an awesome story. And she just sold her company or at least the big part of it, portion of it for $1.2 billion in a deal with uh, a private equity firm, Blackstone. So she now is, you know, billion dollar shapewear company and, you know, awesome story. And it couldn't, I mean, it really seriously couldn't happen to a nicer person. And if you haven't heard her story, you can find it on, you know, YouTube and look it up. And it's just an awesome story. I've seen her tell it a couple of times at a couple of different events, and she is really an amazing human being. But uh, she must have forgotten that I worked for her because she gave uh, the employees uh, two first-class plane tickets to anywhere in the world and $10,000 in spending money. Sarah, I don't know, you know, you must have forgot, like uh, Keanu, that I was part of the company. So if you could just, you know, email me, uh, chewingthefatattheblaze.com, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you can just send me the tickets. It's okay. Don't worry about it. You just, just send them, uh, send me the tickets. and like, You can even send me a check. You don't even have to give me the cash for the 10000 okay? Yeah, just between you and me. That's fine. <laughs> and did you speaking of gifts did you see the uh remember a while ago when uh the instagram star olivia rodrigo went to the white house and they made such a big deal because she was at the white house and she was supposed to be there to uh promote vaccinations among uh young people that's what the white house said and so she got a present from the white house obviously i guess when you go to the white house as a as an uh, an influencer, and you show up to wander around and meet the president and say hello, you get a gift. And I guess uh, Joe gave her a bag that was, uh, you know, had gifts in it. And, you know, I guess politely, you don't look in the bag when you get it. You say thank you. It's really appreciative. You didn't have to do that. And then, you know, as soon as you get in your car and nobody's around, you open up the bag to see what the hell you got. Well, she got uh, really nice... <laughs> 
It's kind of uh, kind of weird, actually. She got M and M's, which I guess if to Joe Biden, if you're uh, you know a young people, you like M and M's. He gave her a pair of uh, black aviator Ray Bans, you know the ones that he wears, which is so darn nice. And he gave her a shoehorn. <laughs> and it was a white it had the white house or the presidential emblem on it and uh she said in an interview oh uh okay i guess that's cool but originally she thought it was strange uh it is a little strange so that means in my mind that they didn't have any idea that they were going to give her a present or what they were going to give her when she showed up, they were just wanted her to walk around and have her promote COVID-19 vaccinations. And somebody said, you know, we really should give her a gift. Don't you think, Mr. President? Yeah, you know, we probably should. Um, just don't we have one of those gift bags down in the in the store that's closed? We don't let people come to anymore because of COVID. Yeah, just give me a bag out of there, the White House bag out of there. And uh, what do we got around here? Oh, there's a bag of M&Ms. Jill's got a bag of M&Ms in her drawer. Well, go ahead and take those. And uh, I've got an extra pair of sunglasses in the drawer. And uh, what else can we give her? We got sunglasses. We got M&Ms. I uh, give her that shoehorn. You know the one I use there in the bedroom. Oh, I'll get a new one made. Just give her my shoehorn. <laughs> Just shine it up a little bit. Give it a little. Give it a little buff shine. Throw it in the bag. Thank you, Olivia. Here's a gift for you for coming to the White House. Now get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe someday, you know, you, you hawk it online, you sell the presidential emblem shoehorn, but come on now. And even though she was, you know, there for the, you know, the hawking of COVID-19 vaccinations, uh, no matter how you feel about that, she actually handled it well and talked about uh, how nervous she was to be at the White House, and she didn't want to break anything. And despite the gift, she was you know, happy to be there and all of that stuff. She said all the right things, and that's what makes her a star, right? Olivia Rodrigo, that's what makes her this huge star. But I just find it kind of sad that we just hurried up and threw a gift bag together because we remembered, you know, we probably ought to give her something for showing up. <laughs> I right, go get the, I get the evidence from Jill's desk and I got an extra pair of Ray-Bans in the drawer. And what else can I give her? I just, yeah, yeah. Does that have the presidential emblem on it? My shoehorn there next to the bed. Yeah. Go ahead and give her that too. <laughs> really sad. Really sad. And I know what most of you are thinking. Was it one of those shoehorns that have the springs on it? So you don't have to bend all the way down. Or was it actually, a, you know, one of the handheld shoehorns? There's the short ones that you have to lean all the way down to use. There's a little bit of the longer ones. Those are the, you know, the professional shoehorns that are a little bit longer and you can, you know, use them at shoe stores. <laughs> and uh, probably one of those. But who knows? It's Joe Biden. He might have one with the little spring on it, you know, that's two or three feet long. So you don't have to bend down. You just stick it down. You've got the little spring on it. So I'm not sure. As far as I know, she didn't specify what type of shoehorn it was, it, what specific shoehorn it was. It was just a shoehorn with the presidential emblem on it. Anyway, all right, let's go to the break room. <laughs> 
<laughs> I need something cold to drink desperately. Oh. Oh man, it's so good. Did you say, speaking of so good, now Coca-Cola is saying we might have to worry about some sort of product delays. No, this will not stand. They're claiming we have to expect to see product shortages through 2022. No, Mr. CEO James Quincy. No, I don't want to expect to see sporadic shortages through next year. Like other food and beverage companies, Coke is dealing with supply chain challenges and higher inflation. Like other food and beverage companies, we're dealing with snarls in the supply chain, higher commodity costs, and that's resulted in some shortages. So his analogy is uh, to treat it a bit like an earthquake. Uh, you get further shock waves coming through, but they tend to be diminishing in magnitude. Oh. Okay, so they're just going to persist through next year. So we should go ahead and just uh, lower our expectations. Is that right, Mr. Quincy? I'm tired of hearing lower our expectations. And we're getting used to it. You go to the stores now and you find areas and shelves that are empty. And we're just expecting it. We're just, oh, yeah, that's just the way it is now. Oh, Okay. Yeah, look, there's labor shortages, there's spiking gas costs. Now, he specifically uh, pointed out spiking gas costs in Europe, but uh, let's look around the U.S. for that, too. And a plastic plant in Brazil that burst into flames. Oh, okay. Is that the only plastic plant in the world? Is that the one that burned? I guess it is. Oh, it's the one we use. And, and now we've got other companies. We're going to have to, you know, try to get that from other plastic companies. So, you know, things are going to get snarled up. <laughs> wow. Just wow. Again, I this will not stand. I don't know what would stand other than having the shelves full again. But this will not stand. I mean, we're being told that holiday sales in the U.S. could boom as much as 10.5% over last year. This according to the National Retail Federation. At the same time, we're being told that, oh, there's going to be a turkey shortage. There's, turkeys are going to go through the roof. So get your turkeys now. Thanksgiving is going to be the most uh, expensive ever. I'm sure we'll get a tweet from the White House saying uh, how cheap Thanksgiving dinner is this year with a turkey and some green beans and some cream of mushroom soup and some some onions and uh, you know and a bag of potatoes costing you know one cent more than it did last year. So I mean we can look forward to that. But I'm really being tired of being told that we need to lower our expectations. I mean, what are we? North Korea? Well, yes, we're turning into North Korea. North Korea is telling a big story out today, telling, well, North Korea tells starving citizens to eat less. So what? They're telling us to do that here in the U.S. Uh, I don't care about North Korea. I mean, I do, but not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> All right, I know this is the break room. So we have the new Toy Story. Well, it's Buzz Lightyear. Uh, they just released the trailer for the new Disney Pixar Buzz Lightyear, the movie Lightyear, that uh, I guess is hitting theaters 
next year, maybe. We'll see how that goes. But uh, the voice of Buzz Lightyear is uh, Chris Evans. I know you were already for me to tell you that it was that it was going to be Tim Allen. About no, sorry to disappoint you. So uh, this version of Buzz featured in Lightyear supposed to be different than the one we're used to, of course. Now this won't be the uh, first time the character has existed as something other than a toy. Buzz Lightyear uh, was part of the uh, Star Command. That was an animated TV series that aired on the Disney Channel in the early 2000s. And I think there were a couple other shorts, too, that they put out as well. But anyway, uh, it'll be the trailer looks interesting. It'll be a fun ride and it's a good take. You know, you got a great character and it's a good take and we'll see. Uh, It's supposed to be the uh, it's the beginning of Buzz Lightyear. So, you know, that's the different take of it. It's not the uh, buzz from, you know, that we know, you know, that it was the uh, Space Ranger and Emperor Zerg and was causing destruction across the galaxy. And then we found out that it was, uh, if he couldn't fly, it was just falling with style. (laughs) So we'll see. I know that's a solo deal for a buzz, but it looked pretty cool and it will be. It'll be interesting to see the whole story and see what happens. Uh, I love the I love the whole idea. So many so many places are doing the prequels of such huge shows. It is a different take, rather than just continuing the same boring saga. So I'm looking forward to that. Lightyear. In other movie news, we find out that uh, Michael Myers is accused of being homophobic in the new Halloween movie. I don't really believe that it's actually uh, believed. (laughs) I don't think they're trying to make an actual case. I think it was just funny. I mean, Mike Myers um, pretty much kills everyone. Uh, There were some black people, I think, and some gay people, and some young people, and some old people. Really didn't matter. And it was just a couple of social media accounts you know, one said uh, Michael Myers is homophobic, Halloween Halloween kills. I guess the gay couple, they showed after he killed them that uh, they, the way they were left in the room makes him homophobic. And then another post talked about why did he have to kill the one gay couple. Michael Myers is homophobic, confirmed. That is just a joke. But since it was posted on social media, you have to believe it. Nobody can tell a joke anymore. (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on my Twitter account, at JeffyJFR, or uh, Facebook and Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. Uh, Perhaps there'll be a joke or two uh, given to you on those social media accounts from time to time. Uh, There was last night, as a matter of fact. So you can go and take a look at my joke. You can also help me reach my goal. I'm trying to raise some money for our rescue. I'm going to shave my head uh, live on the Instagram and Facebook Jeff Fisher radio pages on the 19th of November. But I'm trying to raise $6,000 for our rescue. That's uh, what it takes to save a rescued human for a year with everything that they need for a year. And I'd like to at least try to save one human uh, for a year. Uh, after they get uh, rescued from our rescue and get put into the 
rehab system. And they need legal documents and medical, travel to the home country, food, water, lodging, transportation, education, vocational training. And it takes $6,000 for a year to make that happen to people who have been rescued from human slavery. So hashtag shave head, save human. If you can help out, that would be wonderful. Thank you. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. So the World Series is happening. For those of you listening live, today is the 28th of October, 2021, and Game 2 of the World Series was played last night. The Houston Astros won that game. So it's 1-1. to uh, They're taking on the Atlanta Braves, and then we play in Atlanta Game 3 tomorrow night on the uh, 29th of October. It is fitting, isn't it, that the World Series is being played in Georgia Atlanta, Georgia, to be specific, where Major League Baseball, uh, you know, moved the All-Star game this year because of the horrific voting rights uh, issue in Georgia. And uh, don't forget how bad we hate Texas because of the same thing. And both teams are from those two great states playing in the World Series for Major League Baseball. I love that. It couldn't happen to a better group of people. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, I see, remember we talked a while ago when the Cleveland Indians, the baseball team, was looking to change their name to the Cleveland Guardians. And then we realized, hey, there's a roller derby team that's being considered now the all-gender roller derby team based in Cleveland. Uh, they uh, registered uh, the name and have been the Cleveland Guardians uh, in 2017, and they also have been selling team merchandise since 2014. And Major League Baseball was like, eh, yeah, we're going to be the Guardians now. That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, Chief Wahoo is <laughs> racist, and we can't take it so they uh, you know obviously it's a you know a good name they've got the bridges there in cleveland and they've got the big art deco statues and you know we, we talked all about that but what we didn't know is that they did reach out to the roller derby team prior to making the announcement oh really yes huh so they reached out in April. They filed a trademark application for the Guardian's name in, uh, remember, in the East African island nation of uh, Mauritius? Mauritius. Oh, sorry. It's not Mauritius. It's Mauritius. 
all right, I got it. So anyway, they filed it in, uh, in April in the East African island nation of Mauritius. So they wanted to, you know, hide it unless someone knew where to look, which I kind of understand. But anyway, then the baseball team contacted the roller derby team in June telling team officials, yeah, you know, we're considering using the name guardians. And, uh, could you guys send us a photo of your Jersey? Well, the roller derby team said, Hey, um, how about we sell you the rights to guardians and the Indians, I guess made an offer and the roller derby team said, ha, yeah, right. Take a hike. How about you up that offer a little bit? And the baseball team said no. And so they made another trademark filing in Mauritius for the team logo. And then the, they also filed two federal trademark applications in July claiming exclusive rights to the guardian name. Um, no. So now the roller derby team wants the baseball team to, if they, you know, they've tried to work out a deal. They're in court. They're trying to, they're saying, Hey, let's work out a deal. Let's not take the whole thing. And, you know, long drawn out court case. Well, how about, uh, the Cleveland Indians, a pony up a little bit. They, after all, are a major league baseball team going up against a roller derby team who had the name. It was their name. So now the roller derby team, if I was them, I would be asking for the world. How about like we play, we also do our roller derby events in your stadium from now on. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you know what? You provide all the production costs and uh, put us on TV here in Cleveland. What do you think? That'd be part of my deal. But anyway, the team wants the baseball team to advertise and promote that it would no longer call itself the Guardians with at least as much effort and resources used to promote the new name. So they want everyone to know, hey, we're not the Guardians. They are. Uh, It also wants the baseball team to establish a fund equal to what the team spends on advertising and promotions if it continues using the Guardian's name so the roller derby team can buy corrective advertising. So, hey, we're not the Guardians anymore. I mean, that's, I guess, only really fair. And so they're going to, uh, they're saying that the judge is going to have to determine whether the Guardian's name will cause confusion for fans who follow both the baseball and the roller derby teams. There's no intersect between the two brands. There's no likelihood of confusion, according to uh, you know their trademark attorney for the Indians. Is that right, Mark? There's no confusion. Oh, okay. He also said though that money, and he's right here. Uh, money is a great influencer of resolving trademark cases. Yeah, it was. It would have resolved it a long time ago if they would have just paid the Guardians a bunch of money up front. But instead, they thought they could just push them around because they're the Major League Baseball team and they can do what they want. And here's a couple of bucks and go away. Screw you. Pay some cash. That pisses me off. I almost don't want them to change the name. I don't want to make them. You pay for advertising saying we're the Guardians and you're not. And we want money too. And we want you to promote us along with your stupid baseball team. Because you're changing it anyway because you're a bunch of wusses. And they know that they're a bunch of wusses. They're already saying that they're the, uh, you know, all-inclusive roller derby team. (laughs) So pony up a little bit of cash, Major League Baseball, 
or, you know, specifically the Cleveland Indian ownership group. Just pony it up a little bit. There you go. And staying in the sports vein, we can talk a little bit about uh, the NFL for a second. I see where John Gruden has commented uh, after his, uh, well, firing. I know he wasn't fired. He resigned, Jeff, for saying, sending those racist, misogynistic, and anti-gay language emails. Yeah, I know. I know. So uh, apparently he answered the phone, which I love. I love. This is what happens when you're a producer. Uh, you know, I produced shows for a thousand years uh, in radio. And sometimes you just call. You just call and people pick up the phone. It's amazing. I know those days are few and far between now with cell phones. And, you know, people don't answer phone lines that they don't recognize. So, okay, I, I get it. But uh, he was... The producer of Maggie Burbank, who produces the show, uh, this podcast or this sports show with Brian Gumbel. And uh, she just called him up and uh, Gruden picked up the phone. (laughs) He's still in Vegas. And she's like, hey, uh, look at us. Speak to John Gruden. Yeah, this is me. And uh, so he said, uh, I'm just letting the dust settle. People who know me know what I stand for for 58 years. I have a resume of 58 years. The truth will come out. Okay. Uh, Anything else, John? No, I'm fine. (laughs) I got to go. All right. No problem. (laughs) Take care. Thanks for answering the phone. Yeah, you got it. But now we find out that uh, more and more people want the NFL to release the emails Yes. Uh, Not only do I want them to release the 650,000 emails, which I asked for in the beginning, I want them to release everybody's freaking emails. And Goodell has said, no, he's not going to do that. Wait, what? Yeah. No, we're not going to, we're not going to release the emails that we investigated the 650,000 emails reviewed. Yeah. We're not going to betray accusers who wish to remain anonymous. Wait, what? Yeah, they were incredibly brave, incredibly open, and we respect the pain that they probably went through all over again to come forward. And so that's a very high priority to us. Oh, okay. Well, according to the attorneys who represented many of the women interviewed during the investigation, they say, uh, yeah, we go ahead and make it public. Uh, our, you know, we're good. We don't need any of your protection. Uh, don't withhold this report. Go ahead and, you know, go ahead and let it go. We we want we want it to be released. We want the public to know. Yeah, no, we we care about you. <laughs> we care about you at the NFL, so we don't want to we don't want to hurt you any more than is possible. And look, Dan Snyder has not even been a part of the team now activities. His wife has taken over the daily operations. The team was fined $10 million. I do think he's been held accountable. So I think the organization has been held accountable. It was an unprecedented fine. And Dan has not been involved in the organization at all. So, you know, following, you know, John Gruden has been uh, removed from, from his job. And the Players Association is uh, requesting the release of the emails as well. But no, no, we can't do that either. (laughs) 
I mean, they're in deep doo-doo. And this is all over. Remember, you remember why this happened? Because they went, they did the investigation, which, you know, okay, whatever. There was workplace uh, misconduct at, for the Washington football team. And I'm pretty much sure they were the Redskins at the time. But anyway, uh, during, you know, the, uh, the Washington football team, and they had the big investigation. And they found some emails that got Roger all butt hurt because he got called some names in some of those emails. So he made him investigate all of the emails, go through them again. And they found, what, two or three emails from John Gruden? That because he had said a couple bad things about Roger Goodell, and so now he's a racist white pig, and we got rid of him. But now everybody's like, "Well, let's open it up. Let's see them all. Come on, Roger, what do you got?" And Roger's like, "Oh no, no, we can't do that. Why not, Mister Goodell? Why not? Let's see them all. Specifically, let's see the six hundred and fifty thousand, because I'd like to read a few more than what we were given to read." and see exactly what's going on. And then, you know what? I want to see them all. I want to see them all. Now, do I think it's a good idea? No, they're private emails and private conversations, and we should have never been made aware of them. But since we've already been made aware of some of what was in the 650,000, let's see them all. Let's see them all. All right, a couple of uh, a couple of stories that are unrelated to each other, but I wanted to talk to you about them. Uh, first, yesterday, Nevada officials presented their preliminary findings from the investigation into the fatal shooting of the cinematographer for by actor Alec Baldwin, noting a mix of more than five hundred blanks, dummy bullets, and live ammo had been recovered from the set. Now, we know that Baldwin accidentally shot and killed the 42-year-old 42, 42 uh, Helena Hutchins uh, filming the movie Rust. And according to reports, an assistant director grabbed the gun, believing it to be safe, before handing it to the actor to prep for a stunt. The bullet passed through Hutchins' chest, also injuring director Ra Joel Souza, who is expected to survive. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him photographed in automobiles already, but... That's a different story. Uh, there remain a number of questions regarding safety protocols from the set. Members of the camera crew walked off the set the morning of the shooting to protest unsafe working conditions, while reports say that the assistant director responsible for grabbing the loaded gun had been fired from a previous role in 2019 over gun safety issues. There's been no decision yet on whether to file criminal charges. I watched some of this press conference. What a nightmare. It looked like the sheriff and the district attorney were not prepared. Um, they should have come out and made their statements and left. They should not have answered questions. They uh, Some of the things that they talked about that you would think should have already happened hadn't happened yet. And I know it's not TV. It's real life, Jeff. Things take time. I know. But it's been a week. And so some of these things that they talked about uh, needing to have happened, uh, I mean, needing to happen should have happened already. Uh, they talked about sending the gun to uh, forensic reports and 
and interviewing people that they haven't interviewed yet. And it just seemed like, uh, holy cow, what are you doing? It's in Santa Fe. And they obviously want to continue their partnership with movie companies, uh, bringing in work and money to the state. So they're treading lightly. But wow, you, they just seemed like they need to wrap this thing up. If I'm anything to do with the governor or uh, state political representatives, I'd be down in Santa Fe saying, all right, let's go. What help do you need? We need to wrap this thing up and make these decisions and make the report. And if anybody's going to be held accountable, yes, let's make someone held accountable. If no one is going to be held accountable, let's make it so no one is going to be held accountable. We're not going to press charges. It's a horrible accident. And then the families can sue civilly for any kind of money that they want, What, whatever, whatever. But they need to figure out something because, wow, what a crap show that was. I mean, it makes you appreciate as much as you hate some of the uh, big city sheriffs and district attorneys and how they handle things. Man, it makes you appreciate them coming up in front of the press and answering questions and specifically saying, hey, this is what's going on and moving on because Santa Fe needs some classes. They need some classes. They should have gone up in front of everyone yesterday and said their piece and walked away. They should have pulled a Joe Biden. I mean, they should have learned a lesson from the president. Come out, make your statement. I got to go and walk away because I don't know why we're hearing about this story, but in Boston, a surgeon was fined for leaving the operating room to eat in his car and then falling asleep and missing the procedure. That's it though. I mean, he was fined $5,000 and he's been reprimanded. I mean, he got, he got his hand slapped and he was rep and he was fined $5,000. The state board of registration in medicine concluded that Dr. Tannery, that's the doc, uh, Dr. Tony Tannery, uh, he, they, they actually concluded that he was the attending surgeon for orthopedic trauma emergencies that night and had escorted the patient with the resident into the operating room and had engaged in conduct that undermines the public confidence in the integrity of the medical profession. Oh, and we're going to find you $5,000 and then we don't want to hear from you anymore. Okay, go away. So, <laughs> I, I mean, this happens. I, I would, I, I know that doctors are going to say, no, it doesn't, Jeff. But my, I don't know why we're hearing about it, you know, because... My, my wife, my, my first wife, right? My first wife, yeah. Uh, she was a uh, director of nursing at a hospital and was part of a lot of these meetings with the, the uh, medical professionals and doctors at the hospital that she ran and, uh, the doctors, you know, find each other and slap each other and report on each other. And then everybody goes their own way, happy little way. I don't know why we're hearing about this, but apparently this guy came in to the emergency room for ankle surgery. And I, you know, we know now that he walked him into the ER with the, with the resident. And then he was like, uh, yeah, I got to go get something to eat. So he went down to his car and got something to eat and then fell asleep. 
<laughs> As apparently, to according to the paperwork, he didn't even go back to the hospital until the following day. So I don't know if he slept in his car or if he woke up in his car and he just went back home. I gotta go. I'm out of here. Everything's everything's fine. I'm gone. So it's a teaching hospital. The chief resident performed the operation. Um, I don't know if I mean I don't know if the something was wrong with the surgery. The story doesn't say. You know if the resident did something wrong. I don't know. But Tannery, the doc who was uh, you know got his hand slapped and uh, you know told to go on his way. He was the attending surgeon for the orthopedic trauma emergencies that night. Okay, so I mean, I don't know, I don't know what happens now. I don't know why this story is out there because I feel like this is why the doctors keep all their dirty laundry in their own little laundry room and they don't get it out unless something really, really bad happens. So I don't know. Did the guy, did the resident put the, you know, fix the guy's ankle wrong i don't know it doesn't say and i don't think so because i feel like that would have been a bigger part of this story Uh, because the story now is just that he you know walked him into the emergency into the operating room and then told the chief resident ah you know i gotta i gotta go get something to eat and pass out in my car (laughs) and it was like five years ago in 2016 so i I don't know. I don't know why we're hearing about it now. It's really, really strange. There's going to be more about this hospital or this doctor uh, soon because it's got to be the only reason that we're hearing about this particular story now. Remember a while ago when uh, people in New York got all wound up because of the Boston Dynamics robot dog was, uh, you know, walking through the cities. And uh, they were all wound up because the robot responded to a domestic dispute in a public housing complex. And that was just RoboCop stuff. And this is crazy. And so that made the NYPD uh, return the dog to Boston Dynamics. And they terminated the contract. And, you know, so we can't have that. Well, we kind of can. So in Hawaii, uh, the Honolulu Police Department said, you know, that's... That's not a bad idea. Let's go ahead and do that. So they brought in our robotic dogs from Boston Dynamics, and they're patrolling and monitoring a homeless community equipped with cameras, two-way communication, AI, autonomous data collection capabilities. The robot scans eyes to detect for fevers, (laughs) which could signal, of course, if you have a fever, you've got COVID-19, period. There's no way you could just have a fever Not in today's world. No, if you've got a fever, you have COVID-19. So the Honolulu Police Department has supported the use. Well, of course they have. Uh, A person will ask for food. They will ask for water. They'll ask for masks. They they were uh, all things that we had to face, to do face-to-face with someone. We can facilitate through the robot. We don't need to have a human being out there dealing with these nasty homeless people. (laughs) And it is in no way intimidating, so don't even think that. Uh, Man, it's pure humanitarian, okay? So don't even worry about that. I mean, Boston Dynamics is on the cutting edge, man. These guys, and girls and gals, uh, these guys are on the cutting edge. And they're working with the Pentagon, and they are definitely creating... Robots that are going to be everywhere very, very soon. 
and these robotic dogs, and they are a little, uh, a little scary. I'll give you that. But they're already patrolling a park in Singapore. Remember we showed the, that was before the New York thing, even when they were walking around Singapore and they were telling, uh, park goers to, uh, you know, remember to social distance <laughs> and keep Singapore healthy. Yeah. We're keeping Singapore healthy and you go ahead. And if you're not six feet apart, we're going to go ahead and tackle your ass. Okay. Now they didn't do that, but that's coming. That's coming. You can count on that. Um, be ready, be ready for that. I'm not talking about the robot. That's going to be bringing you your Amazon packages. I'm talking about the robot. That's going to be, you know, patrolling your neighborhood just for safety purposes, because we keep seeing, you see the video of the, uh, the Amazon truck that had the girl get out of it. It looked like there was a little bit of business going on in the neighborhood as the, uh, the old Amazon uh, delivery guy was uh, taking care of a little business in the back of the van <laughs> with the neighborhood girl. Now, some would say maybe he was delivering the woman to the neighborhood. I don't know. Perhaps some would say that the woman was delivering something to the Amazon driver. Either way, it's a good excuse for dogs walking through the neighborhood. Robotic dogs, of course, not real dogs. Oh my gosh, no. We have to use those for testing purposes, right? Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.